Our text is Exodus chapter 32 and verses 26 through 28 as we uh, continue in this series. I think I'll have one more sermon in the Exodus part. Then we're going to jump to another part, but it'll still be the same series. It'll just be another sermon in that part. Okay, Exodus chapter 32 and verses 26 through 28. And here we read, Then Moses stood in the gate. Now when you think of him just standing there, he's, he's looking over the whole thing right now. He's not a happy camper. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. <clears throat> now one thing to understand about that, that was for every Israelite that would. But only those of the tribe of Levi came. The rest of them did not. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Now being the God of Israel, He's the, the God of those people. But He's not happy with those people right now. So He says, and He said, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side. Go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And there fell of the people that day about three thousand men. Now you think about that, that in one day from their own people, three thousand of them are slain with a sword. Now in our day we find that God took many home. They slept early. They were also the people of God, as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But sometimes God just takes them out for their sin against His righteousness, against His holiness, and turning to the ways of the world. And so that's what we see is happening here, only in this case, God is using those who said, I'm going to stand up for the Lord. I'm on the Lord's side. I'm going to stand for Him. So it's a good question <clears throat> to ask yourself before we have a word of prayer. Whose side am I on? I'm not just talking about are you saved, I'm talking about Whose side are you on? Because that is important in this as well. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray as we go into your word, we want to rightly divide it. We don't want to mislead anyone in any way. So I pray thy Holy Spirit would move in power and might through this message today, being it's your message and your word. And I pray that you'd just help me to speak it as thus saith the Lord in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, I want to just kind of, how I guess, just give a little review of what we've covered so far. We first see uh, Moses is on the mountain. He's been there 40 days and 40 nights. God has written in tables of stone the Ten Commandments with his own finger. Then he tells Moses, um, there's a problem down in the camp. I'm going to kill every one of them, and I'll just make a new nation out of you. Well, Moses intercedes for the people. 
If you have a real love in your heart for God, you'll also have a love in your heart for people to seek to bring them to Christ. And so that's what uh, Aaron does. He, he, I mean, uh, Moses, not Aaron, Moses intercedes uh, to him. And so he begins to return from the mountain. And then as he's drawing near, Joshua's walking with him. Joshua says, uh, boy, there's a sound of war in the camp. Moses says, uh, that's not war. Those drums, they're having a party. They're worshiping a false god, that golden calf, <coughs> excuse me, and often called Ipus by the old uh, people that worshiped the golden calf in Egypt. They were dancing. They were taking the clothes off. They were drinking. They were just terrible. God wanted them all dead if they're going to be that way. If they're going to go from him. They're his people. God corrects his people. And sometimes people say, God shouldn't allow that to happen to him. God shouldn't allow that to happen to her. Well, we see that 3,000 die because God doesn't allow them to get any worse. You see. And, well, that's not the way I think. That's the problem. You've got to think God's way, not your way. And so, the next thing we see when he sees them, Moses has righteous indignation. He throws down those tablets and it breaks them. And then after that, we see a third thing is Moses' reaction. When he spoke and he saw what was going on and he threw the stone tablets down. Next, he wants to remove the first problem. And that's what he does. He burns the golden calf down to nothing. It's nothing but ash. I mean, everything is down. There's nothing left that golden calf but ashes and, and, and whatever is of it. Then he pours it in the water and he makes the people drink. Now understand, this is an 80-year-old man dealing with over a million people. And they're all scared of him. And they should be. He has the hand, the power, the might, the authority of God on him. And so, here he is. He's had the right reaction. He has that righteous indignation towards it. And, and of course, then the next reaction that we see is removal of the problem, which was that he <coughs> burns the golden calf. And that golden calf uh, <coughs> is not going to get glory that belongs to God. You see, they said, by this golden calf, God delivers. No, there's no golden calf that parted the river, the, the, the Red Sea. There was no golden calf that threw a tree in some water and healed the water of Merah. No, he didn't. A golden calf didn't do that. A golden calf worshiper didn't do that. And so, we see Moses' next move is revival in Israel. Now, that word revival means to bring back to life. It's to bring back to the right life, to righteous life, the God life, living godly in Christ Jesus. That's the life he's trying to bring them back to. And so, Moses is going to try to move the, uh, remove the problem. He's going to try to overcome it, but he's going to try to overcome it in a holy way. 
not as Aaron. Now, Aaron is his older brother. Aaron tries to blame the people. He says, oh, they, they said to do this, and, and, and they brought me all their gold and earrings, and, and, and I put it in the fire, and out came this golden calf. Of course, he doesn't tell them that he had the graving tools, and he actually is the one that did it. But, you know, in all the bad things that he did, and they were bad. They were bad. I mean, what Aaron did was wrong. It was bad. It was evil. But guess what? Aaron does repent. And God is able to use Aaron again after that. Now, sometimes God doesn't use people in the same way he used to use them once they repent. But God can still use you as a Christian. You're one of his. You're God's people. He can still use you when you go far away from him. You come back and he can restore you. Sometimes people say, you know, so-and-so left and they were mad at you or they were mad at the church. They were mad at this or that. And they left. You know what? Through repentance and faith, they can come back, and God can use them. Okay? But we've got to remember, repentance and faith is such an important part of it. So, Moses is going to start this revival, and, and then we see that Aaron is uh, going to not interfere with that at all. And so, this is really another way of going about it. But it's the right way of going about it. Aaron's way was wrong. What they wanted to do, and Aaron thought, well, this will make it right. We're going to make this altar unto Jehovah. And if you make it unto Jehovah, you put the Lord's name to it. You, you put, the, it's actually the name Yahweh in the Hebrew. But if you put that name to it, then it makes it all right. Saying that it was in God's name, in Jesus' name, Jehovah's name, did not make their worshiping a golden calf, did not make their getting naked, did not make them, them getting their drinking out and doing all, taking their clothes off and everything they did. It didn't make it right because they were doing it in Jesus' name. It never does. And there is no way in the world, no matter what kind of words are being used, when you're using rock music in a church and they're dancing in a church and saying, but we're doing it in Jesus' name. That is never right. If that's right, then guess what else will be right? For somebody to say, we're going to give the fentanyl to all these children in Jesus' name. We're going to change the sex of all these children in Jesus' name. That won't make it right, and it doesn't make it right in the church to go in and make it unholy what God has given to us to keep and be holy. And so we must do God's will, God's way, in God's timing, and always according to His Word. So, God works with him. They're called the people of God. But a man of God has to take a stand. A man of God has to take, take a stand. Moses came back and he confronted Aaron. He confronts the people. All the people that named the name of God He's confronting them. He's going to find out what's going on here. We're going to take care of it right away. Let's get it taken care of. The worship of the golden calf was totally evil. That was totally wrong. 
And when you add those things to it, what happened in, among the people of Israel is what happened next. You know, you've got to realize that every decision that we make, many of you as adults, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, has an effect on your children and your grandchildren, maybe even your great-grandchildren. And if we give in to the world, we give in to the flesh, you need to understand that if the foundations be destroyed, as the psalmist tells us, what can the righteous do? See, that happened in the wilderness. They destroyed the foundation of being led by God. They went back to the things of the world. And 3,000 people will lose their lives. We'll see further in another sermon that what God was going to do, and I'm not talking about killing all the people, what God was going to do made Moses ready to quit. Because God said, if I don't, Moses, God says, I'm going to send an angel with you. Moses replies, well, Lord, if you're going to just send an angel and you're not going to go with us as you have, I don't want to go. He wanted God's power. He wanted God's leading. He knew that Jesus, or God, the Father, the God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Son, He was led all the way. God does it. So in verse 26, you'll see the key that is there for a revival in Israel. When Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Now, we see just one tribe gathers themselves to him, and it's the tribe that he was born in. But that was an invitation to everybody. Who is on the Lord's side? If you wait for your friends, you wait for somebody else that uh, is really like, or what all the others are doing, and if they don't move back, then you just kind of sit there and do nothing. Even though you're saved, you're not on the Lord's side. Sometimes people, without realizing it, now I'll say this, I may get some people mad at me. I, I, I'm at the point now, I'm old. <laughs> okay, I mean, you get to a certain age, so what does it matter? I'll be dead <laughs> when, whenever. So, uh, you you don't worry about that as much as you're just saying, okay. You go ahead and justify those things for your children. And I've seen this with parents. I've seen it with a lot of them that you say, well, you know, they still love Jesus, but, you know, let them have fun. Oh, let them do this. Uh, they'll go to church doing these things. And you know what they do? They go to church for a few years, and then they're not in church anymore as they become their own adults, and they're out on their own, and church is out the door. Why? Because it's just like the nightclubs are going to now. And you see, parents, uh, you've got to stand, and grandparents have a chance to stand up and say, I'm on the Lord's side. Well, you don't know how, that'll just affect my children terribly. So, you want to let them go and go on to hell? You want to let them go? Well, they're saved. 
Okay, you're going to let him go and be saved so as by fire and be ashamed at his appearing? Man, God gave you one of the greatest weapons. Those, those people, Levi, the tribe of Levi, they had swords. We got the sword of the Lord. We've got prayer. We've got power of the Holy Spirit of God. And listen, the devil gets a hold of your young people, they get a hold of others, and the devil is powerful. But my God is more powerful than he. Amen. So, all of a sudden, uh, children of Levi gathered themselves together. Moses is the man of God, so he must lead. He knows what God's will is. Whether the others are going to get involved or not, he's going to tell those that said, yes, I'm going to stand for the Lord. He tells them, okay, put your sword on. We're getting ready. Go gate to gate. Go gate to gate. Now look, these men know that he's just said, thus saith the Lord. They know where this is coming from. They have no idea that he was going to tell them what to do. But now that he's told them what to do, they've got to go out and do it. Isn't it something though, that only the priestly line of, of Levi are the only ones to come up, although all are invited to come? But you see, there must be true repentance and a readiness to jump into the fray for the Lord. Yes, you can fail. Yes, you can fall back just like Aaron did. But you don't have to stay there. Get back up. Jump into the fray. Stand up for Jesus. Decide that you're on the Lord's side. Now look, we have revival meetings. People come forward. Oh, they're happy. Other people coming forward and everybody's happy. And you, oh, you make decisions in a revival meeting. You know, revival means to bring back to life. Bring back to life. In a Christian, a revival is talking back, bringing back to the spiritual life, the life in Christ, the walk in Christ, the walk in the Word of God, walking according to His will. That's what it's talking about there. But in this place, they're not walking that way. So, whereas they're scared to death of Moses, the children of Levi know, yeah, Moses tell them what God said. They're more afraid of God. And so they're going to listen because Moses is the man of God. And really, just a call to say who is on the Lord's side is a call to repentance and faith among the people of God. God was able to use the children of Levi, but my friend, there's got to be repentance and faith, and if we don't, then we need to understand the Lord chastens and scourges those that are His own. Now, I'm just going to deviate here just a little bit. I'm not deviating, but I'm just saying this. Look at America. Your Constitution, our Constitution was founded on what they call the Judeo-Christian ethic. Basically, that is just saying that our Constitution, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, is filled with biblical principle, and that's the way they wrote it. 
That's the way they wrote it. I remember going through history classes, even in the Christian college, as well as the high school, talking about uh, these great men of being, oh, they were all just a bunch of deists. You come to find out that's a big lie. But you see, anytime the world can attack God in any way they can, they will. Okay. That's why you have evolution. They don't want the uh, world to see that it comes from God, that He created the heavens and the earth. They want to go another direction. And so you see that happening. Now, having said that, one thing about America, we went through men giving their lives to establish a constitution. We went through men giving their lives to, to stop, to stop, I say, slavery in this country. We had men and women that went to wars. But as those things went on, guess what? The victory wasn't in that the men just volunteered to go. The victory was that we also had people back here praying. We had people that were praying for it, and the people of God prayed, the people of God we're drawing together. And I, I see three principles that need to be to keep a country where it's supposed to be, but to keep a church where it's supposed to be. First of all, there is prayer. Pray without ceasing. I don't think any of us are blind. We can see that with the LGBTQ, you can see that with all... They're trying to make it a natural thing now to take your children and do sex changes on them. To see that they want to outlaw the name of Jesus anywhere. Now, just think about this. We've seen it in our news uh, in recent weeks and months. A Muslim can go out on the side of the street and throw down a blanket and get down there and pray on it. No problem. But let a Christian stand in front of an abortion clinic and just pray, and they arrest them, and they send the FBI after them. They go in and break into their houses and do everything else. That's not what this country is built on. And that's why this country is in danger of losing its freedoms, losing its country, and being a socialist, communist country someday. Now, we need prayer. We need the people of God praying but those people have to be on the Lord's side. they got to see what's going on and pray about it, pray against it. Doing, asking the Lord to direct them and how they can be a help. I mean, the, those people of Levi were told uh, that came up there, when Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? Man, they came up there. He said, all right, go put your sword on. You're going to battle. And they went on. See, sometimes people come forward in revival meeting. Oh, boy, I'm, yeah, I've got the new life, man, this is it. And you know what I've found over the years as a pastor now, over these many years of pastoring? I, I find that those decisions are abandoned pretty quickly. Think of a revival that you were in. What, what was the decision that you made in revival? Are you still standing by it, whether it's months ago, years ago? Are you still standing by the decisions that you made? Think about it. When Christ promised me eternal life, He's going to stand by it. Can't we in love stand by our decisions for Him? 
We need prayer. We need daily prayer. Prayer has to be a part of your life. Pray without ceasing. Pray in the worship of God. Pray in seeking God's will. Pray, 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 but always pray with the Word of God open to know that you're following what He wants you to pray and know what He wants. To pray according to the mind of God. And you're only going to see what God's thinking is when you're looking in His Word. Pray. Number two is preach. Preach. You know the word preach, we see it in there, oh, God didn't come in to be a preacher. You know what? Men and women, everybody in here is called to be a preacher if you're saved. See, the word preach actually was, had the idea of herald. You herald out the word. Remember, you used to have the guys, well, <clears throat> well only a few of you are old enough to remember this. <clears throat> they didn't have newspapers and everything and TV and all that, so men would go out and say, bah, 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 bah. They'd tell what all the news was to say, and all is well. They were heralding out the news. They were heralding out things. When preachers got up to preach, they were heralding out the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were heralding out the word of God. And when Jesus ascended up to heaven, he's getting ready to leave. He said, ye are my witnesses. It wasn't just the apostles. There are other people gathered there. Ye are my witnesses. And he wanted the gospel going to all the world. Ye are my witnesses. Each of us would be preachers. I'm not talking about standing behind a pulpit. I'm talking about standing for an unsaved person and giving them the gospel that they might be saved. Amen. We're all called to be preachers. Yes? You need prayer. You need preaching. But there's a third thing that's also important in the Christian life if you're going to be on the Lord's side. Performance. Performance. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful to God's house. Be there. When the doors are open, be there. Yeah, some people, are, for example, we've got firemen, we've got policemen, we've got nurses, we've got doctors, we've got other people, their job says, no, you've got to be here. I understand that. I think one of the blessings that we do have is that you can always go back the next day and listen to the sermons that you missed. And you can either listen or you can watch the video of it. Also, you only did this face at <coughs> Halloween time. But um, you, you, you go back and listen to it and get it. Now, listen, I, I've watched live stream when I've been homesick, and I've, I was so thankful for it. And you know, when I went through those strokes, I had to stay home. Couldn't come. But guess what? I found out first Sunday back, first time back, it's nothing like being here. See, you're with the people of God then. You're fellowshipping with them. The Holy Spirit moves in our heart, yes, through the, the live stream and things of that nature, but oh my goodness, the encouragement it is when you're with the people of God. So we look at it. So be faithful, be faithful, be faithful. Perform. Be there. I can't, I, I can sing and I'd like to sing in the choir, but I don't want to be there for all those practices and things like that they do. Okay, Lord, I know you get to me with it, but it's not important, is it? I don't think, uh, now nah, I'm not going to use that gift for you. Now we don't say it like that. But the actions, the performance says that's what you mean. Well, I don't want to teach Sunday school. Those kids bother me. Well, that tells me you have a love problem for the souls of men and little children. See, performance is not 
an easy vacation lifestyle performance is getting out there and serving the Lord, whether it's visitation or anything else. It's serving the Lord as being a witness. Yes, you need to pray. Yes, you need to preach. But you also need to perform. And yet, everything I've just said means absolutely nothing if Jesus Christ is not your Savior. Look, one of the things that I remember back years ago, they started removing the word blood from a lot of hymns. As a matter of fact, Amazing Grace. I mean, Amazing Grace, the guy that wrote it, he was the worst kind of a person ever. He wrote that because of what God did for him. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Guess what? They wanted to move wretch out of it. And they started, oh, that's too, that's too hard. Let's just put a, a, a sinner like me. Some thought that was hard. Let's just say a person like me. If you won't face the truth, you will one day when you're standing at a judgment seat or a White throne judgment, whichever one you're going to end up, you're going to be at the white throne judgment, we're going to be cast into the eternal lake of fire if you have not received Christ as your Savior. And yet Jesus, He was the Spirit, God is the Spirit, He dwelt in heaven throughout all eternity past, He's the Creator, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. But my friend, you come to him in repentance and faith. You say, well, why did I have to come to him? He not only came from heaven, he took on a human body. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He did not sin one time. He died on the cross, feeling every pain that you would have felt in your body. But he felt more than what you could ever feel. Why? Because the Father in heaven, when my sin was put upon him, your sin, the sin for all time, Isaiah says, it pleased the Lord, the Father, to bruise him. The Father poured out on the human spirit of Jesus Christ all his wrath against sin. And Jesus paid it all. Ours is to receive it. Ours is to give our heart and life to him. Now, my friend, I, I talked to somebody not too long ago. I said, do you know if you died today, you'd go to heaven? He said, well, I hope so. I said, let me tell you how you can know. I got just about two minutes into it, and he said, hey, hey, he said, hey hold up, I can't do it. Two weeks later, he's dead. Now, let me tell you something. This day, if he's not saved, if he didn't receive anything of Christ as, as his Savior, he's in hell. He's in hell. Now, folks, it's not you're doing the best you can. It's not, I hope so. Well, he's going to weigh my good against your bad, because you'll always lose that. Admit that you're a sinner. I've sinned, come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. None of us measure up to Jesus Christ. He died for your sins, shedding his blood for you. The life is in the blood. Our eternal life is in his blood. He rose up bodily from the grave. 
did that for you, to not receive him, to allow him to come in your life and to be your Lord, to be your God, to be your Savior. Not to do that is to say, I'll just take my chances and go to hell. Well, my friend, that's the stupidest thing you could do. Because hell's forever. There's no escape. There's no ceasing to exist. There's no hope. I think it says it well in 2 Corinthians. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Jesus is ready, but you must come. Let's bow our heads, please.